welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm today's host, Sage Miller. If you've tried to find an apartment in the greater Salt Lake City area, you know it isn't easy. And if you've been lucky enough to find an apartment this past year, you're also paying 10% more than renters were forking over a year before that. Real estate journalist Tony Samarad reported this week that conditions for Salt Lake County renters and hopeful renters probably won't be getting better anytime soon. You can find more of his reporting on the local rental market at sltrib.com. In a whirlwind of passionate debate in the final moments of the legislative session, Utah lawmakers passed a bill that would ban transgender students from playing in school sports. Politics columnist Robert Gerke first reported on the backroom plotting by Republican lawmakers to pass the controversial bill. Now, Gerke catches up with State Senator Dan McKay, who sponsored the bill, on why he ushered the legislation to approval, even as Governor Spencer Cox promised to veto the bill. We'll jump into that conversation, hearing from Senator McKay. Anyway, so the only thing that really had the votes was putting in a ban. Let's let the courts decide, you know, Title IX is a federal law. And the question was, from a federal law standpoint, does Title IX allow for the inclusion of transgender females? And, and maybe, it, maybe it does, and, and maybe it doesn't. And I think that's an important distinction for the courts to figure out prior to creating a huge reliance on, uh, on, on participation. Yeah. And, and you made this point on the floor Friday evening, but there wasn't, it sounds like much doubt in your mind that the bill would be enjoined by the courts. Yeah. I, I think that the arguments, uh, as I've read them, uh, on title nine related to equal protection, you know, the 14th amendment, of the constitution, I think there are equal protection issues with, the ban only. And so a vote for the bill really is most likely a vote for a stay on the ban and an implementation of this commission so that while the courts are figuring out the direction of where we're going to go with this policy, we get data and we get the opportunity to, you know, have a permissive environment for transgender athletes to participate uh, as long as they're, you know, really keeping in spirit with the two primary components, which are one, we want to make sure that our biological female athletes are safe in that environment, and two, that it doesn't interrupt their, you know, the competitive nature of the game, uh, of whatever the game may be. And and if assuming there was a lawsuit, which it sounds like there wasn't much question there would be, uh, the the state or the local school districts and the high school activities association, they would be the ones bearing the bearing the burden of that right yeah it wasn't really clear how the lawsuit would come uh my understanding where and and this was uh legislative research's opinion that where the state was bringing the statute uh and was the enforcing entity and was creating the commission and was creating the ban that the risk to local school districts was was zero uh, and and minimal uh, at at most, um, but that it would be an issue more closely related to or dealt with at the state level from the attorney general's office. Okay, uh, let's talk a little bit about the governor's role in this whole process. Uh, he seemed uh, he indicated he was surprised by the late move uh, that was made by the Senate. Um, would you like to have seen him involved earlier on? I mean, you mentioned before that he wasn't necessarily a friend of it, that he hadn't staked out a position on it. Would you like to have seen him more involved early in the process? 
You know, it's always hard, and I and I'll give the governor some credit. I mean, uh, it, it's it's not that he's wrong because at the legislature you could always be more uh, communicative. And and I look back on it and I think, you know what? There's probably a few opportunities where even I should have reached out to the governor to let him know, you know, kind of where things were. Um, but as you know, and as many who pay attention to legislature, the last night or the last you know the last week of the legislative session. An hour feels like an eternity up there. Uh, so much changes, and there's such a, an interesting dynamic that that changes, you know, minute by minute at the legislature. Uh, while it would have been, you know, more productive probably to have the governor involved, I do not think it would change his outcome or his feeling. And most in the Senate and in Republican caucus and in the House, I think they were aware of how the governor uh, of how the governor said you know, it, it should turn out uh, and how he would deal with the bill uh, if it had a ban. And uh, I think everybody was in a position to say, well, this is the better policy at the moment and we can move forward from here. Or if you want to veto this, then, you know, maybe we get an opportunity to revisit this and continue to work on it. I think that's kind of what the governor opted to do. Well, and that kind of brings me to the last question, I guess, assuming the governor vetoes it, we, we still have this unresolved issue. Uh, where do you see it going from here? Well, a lot of conversations. Um, you know, I think it will be interesting to watch what the other what the courts do with the other states and what with their bans um, and, and kind of follow those through the process. Like I said, the, the Ninth Circuit is the only one who's dealt with the ban thus far. You have other states that are passing them, we're up to 10. And uh, and those other 10 uh, are in differ, different uh, jurisdictions. And so them being in different jurisdictions is going to change, you know, have different outcomes maybe in, in how the law is looked at. And I think that will probably put it at the top or close to a top priority for the Supreme Court within the next one or two years, even if Utah does nothing. Next. Open Lands reporter Brian Maffley discusses why state wildlife officials are anglers to coal northern pike at Utah Lake. Good afternoon. This is Brian Maffley, the public lands reporter for the Salt Lake Tribune. And this week, um, we've been looking into a story about the northern pike that are now apparently infesting Utah Lake. Uh, northern pike are a you know pretty well-valued sport fish that were illegally planted in Utah Lake maybe 10 years ago. And over the last few years, they've become a problem at the very moment when a native fish in Utah Lake, the June sucker, has gotten off the endangered species list. And uh, northern pike, which is a very large, uh, voracious predatory fish, could pose a, a threat to this endangered uh, native fish to Utah Lake. So the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources has made it basically against the law to catch and release a northern pike in Utah Lake unless it has a red tag hanging from its body. And if that's the case, that fish is part of a telemetry study and it has implanted inside its body that uh, enables biologists to track its movements. And so this data that's been gathered over a five-year period will be used to craft a plan for uh, keeping this species of fish under control in Utah Lake so they don't proliferate out of control like the way carp did 
um, in, in, in past years and completely upset the ecology of the, the lake. Thanks, Brian. Utah health officials have reported less than 200 new COVID-19 positive cases for the fourth day in a row. On Wednesdays, officials said that there were 198 new cases and nine new deaths. And that's it from us. If you haven't already, please subscribe to The Daily Buzz and let your friends know about the podcast. And much love to the Tribune's Joel Cardenas for editing The Daily Buzz. And much love to the local band, The Pelicans, for our music. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thank you.